You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. Good morning, Summit family. How are we doing today? We're like, cold, I'm doing cold, it's freezing. You know, no matter how difficult it was for you to get to church today, let me just make you feel better. Someone at the last service traveled here on an electric bike and you thought you were cold walking from the parking lot to here. I can't even imagine. Um, But no, I am so glad that you made it to church today, that you're here, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online. We are so grateful that you um, chose to worship with us. And if you're a guest in the house today, we just wanna also say welcome, make yourself at home. We encourage you. We want to connect with you and give you a free gift just for being here today. So you can fill out the guest card that's in the seat back in front of you, drop it off at our info center, and uh, we've got a free gift for you there. You can also text Summit PA to 94000 to do that as well. But before I jump into the message, I just have two quick things I want to let you know about. And the first is, I wanna remind you about the business meeting on February 4th um, after the 11 a.m. service. And so this is for um, members of Summit. Attendees are welcome to join as well, but at the business meeting, members will be ratifying a new new board member. Um, And we'll also be getting a chance to take a look at our year-end review video and seeing all that God did in 2023. So join us for that. Also, um, want to introduce something to you. So we have we have launched something called the Missions Projects Initiative, and one of our core values at Summit is to be radically generous. We want the world to see and know God by the way that we live, by the way that we give, and and so we are launching a year long campaign um, to raise money for various missions projects connected to our ministry partners. And so we asked our partners last year, what are you what are you believing God for in 2024 that we can come alongside? you, that we can help propel your ministry forward, and how can we invest into that? And so um, throughout the year, we'll be bringing in those partners or showing videos like we did today of um, projects that we are giving to and explaining that more. And the video that you saw with our ministry partner in Israel today is the beginning of that launch, the beginning of this discussion. And you can see when you go to our website, which is missions.summitpa.church, you can see all the local, the um, local, national, and international projects that that we've got as well as what is the amount that we're seeking to raise for what project. And so when you go and you see our missionaries with Live Dead um, that are in Israel, that's the name of the organization, you can see that we're seeking to raise $6,000 for them to be able to practically meet the needs of those who are affected by the ongoing war. And so um, that's the way that they had, they had mentioned to us, hey, this is kind of like crisis mode, right? And so to be able to bless people and serve people and love people in the midst of the war is the best way that we can do that. And so if you'd like to give um, to that project or any projects that we've got listed on our website there, you can give at missions.summitpa.church. You can also give check um, or cash by marking it on the envelope missions project initiative, and it will be sure to go there But that's all the announcements I've got. However, we are in week two of our series called Jesus Over Everything. And we've been talking about how Jesus Over Everything is not just the name of our series for the month, but it is the the theme that we are proclaiming and holding fast to as a church for the year. And Mel laid out, Pastor Mel laid out the fact last week that Jesus is supreme over everything, right? that there will never be anyone with greater rank, greater authority, greater power. And when we proclaim this as true in our lives, that Jesus really is over everything, then it must impact our daily life. It must permeate and influence the parts of our lives. And so I don't know about you, but have you ever, have you ever had the feeling that sometimes your walk with God feels a bit limited? Like, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe I'm missing out or doing something wrong. I just, I'm not sure if my walk with God is all that it's meant to be. And I know for me, there have been times in my life where I felt this way. I'm kind of just, I'm going through the motions. I'm surviving. I am, you know, moving from one thing to another, sometimes feeling like I'm, I'm sleepwalking through life. One of those times that I can point to where it impacted my relationship with God was wedding planning season, guys. 
let me just tell you the crazy person that I turned into. So wedding planning season for me was in 2022. And let me just give a word to the guys. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but girls do think about their weddings and what they want it to look like. And they usually have strong opinions as well. Um, And oftentimes they're very concerned about many details. This doesn't have to be the norm for the record, but some it's, it, Sometimes it's, it's oft, it often is. Some girls though are normal. Some are not like me. Some can keep in mind that the, the most important thing happening throughout the whole planning process, the, the end goal, the most important thing is that you will make a covenant before God with the person you're going to marry. And some girls get so consumed and focused on the details that they create more work for themselves. They spend all of their time and money on Etsy or their parents' money. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, and, and they also, um, they spend all their time on money on Etsy and they fight with their future husband over the hard plastic plates. Which plastic pa- plates will we have at our wedding? That is a true story that happened. Gil and I are over it and we've forgiven each other and we've moved past it. And the plates I chose were better. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But when I look back on this time in my life, um, I do feel like I did miss something um, in this special season with God. Like, like there was a barrier that I created that, that I could have been praying over moments where I could have been praying over my future marriage and soaking in the joy of what was coming and, and praying about things happening in my life during that time. And I chose to put my focus elsewhere and it impacted my relationship with God. It impacted even how I remember that season. And I kind of felt like, like I was just moving from one thing to the other, do this. Okay, I got to do this. I need to do that. And I wasn't really aware of what God was teaching me or what he was doing. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I feel like we think there are super Christians that exist. Like, like they, they're not, they never feel limited. They never feel like something is, is missing. There are, there are super Christians. There's, you're like, so there's Billy Graham and then there's me. And then there's, Pastor Mel, and then there's me. Or there are those missionaries in Israel in the midst of a war, and then there's me, just trying to get to the church in the snow today. Um, But the thing about that is everything, when you think about a missionary, everything a missionary does is based on one thing, to reach people for Christ. The way they live, the decisions they make, the way they handle relationships are all filtered through this perspective. And the reality is, is they're, number one, are not super Christians, but the reality is this is not just for super Christians. This is for all who call Jesus Lord, all who follow Jesus, it is our standard that we would live our lives this way. But so often we think maybe, maybe they have something that, I don't have. Maybe they have access to something that I don't have. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Why do I feel like my walk with God is limited? Why do I feel like it isn't all that it could be? And so maybe you recognize it's because of some distractions, priorities that are misaligned. Like I mentioned during wedding planning season, maybe it's sin or doubt or being so attached to things in this world that it's impacting your walk with God. Maybe you're struggling in this season. Maybe you, or maybe you feel like life is really smooth actually. And I don't really talk to God because I don't really know if I need him right now because things are going pretty good. Well, I wanna explore with you why we feel like our walk with God is sometimes limited and it's not all it could be, and what scripture says about it. So we're gonna look at a passage in Colossians today. And for context, I wanna share just a little bit about the book of Colossians. So in Colossians, the apostle Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. Paul is in prison for announcing that Jesus is king. And in chapter one, which Mel actually, there's four chapters in chapter one, which Mel referenced last week. Now I'm actually questioning if there's four chapters, but I'm pretty sure there is, so don't quote me on it. Um, In chapter one, which Mel referenced last week, Paul talks about how Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, 
right? He is, he is supreme over everything. No one will have his rank or power. In chapter two, Paul is addressing cultural pressures that this church, these people in this church were facing during that time. And from in, in two different ways, these, these pressures were leading them to, um, to turn away from Jesus in two ways. The first is there was a cultural group where they had grown up um, worshiping different Greek and Roman gods who govern different areas of everyday life. So we've got our God, we've got the God of the sun, we've got the God of the moon, the God of this, the God of that. Oh, and we also have Jesus and he's another God that we worship. And then the other way that they were being kind of pressured was that the Jewish Christians within this body were, were pressuring the people who were not Jewish to, you, you must complete your assignment, um, complete your mission to Christ by observing these laws. You must do this and you must do that. You must, you must eat a kosher diet. You must observe these sacred days. You must be circumcised. Then you will be good with your commitment to the Messiah. And Paul is petitioning this church to not give in to these pressures, to not give in to these temptations, because it is an unacceptable compromise of what Jesus has really done and accomplished and who he really is. He says, Jesus is the one true God who has defeated all spiritual powers. And in the same way, he has also accomplished all of the laws in the Torah. His death, his resurrection, his life is perfect. What he accomplished was perfect. His death and resurrection and life lack nothing and don't need to be supplemented by anything else. So in other words, it's not Jesus plus anything. It is Jesus alone and Jesus is over everything. And so moving on to the next chapter where we're gonna spend our time in is the first four verses of chapter three where Paul talks about living this new life that we've been given. And I believe this passage has a lot to teach us about how to live a Jesus over everything life. It'll open our eyes to some of the ways we've been feeling limited in our walk with God. And so let's read Colossians 3, 1 to 4. It says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. See, when I read this passage, it seems to me that what we focus on is crucial. What we focus on is really important. And more than anything else, I think most people would say what limits them in their walk with God is their sin. If I could just eliminate the sin in my life, if I could just stop sinning and, and, and stop stretching this truth and stop with this addiction and, and stop doing that and, and stop viewing that website, if I could just eliminate this sin, then I'd live the life that God has for me. But what I want to show you through this passage and what I want you to remember today is the biggest limiter in our walk with God is not our sin, it is our focus. And before I get yelled at for teaching heresy in this church, let me be very clear that sin is absolutely involved in limiting us. That sin separates us from relationship with the Holy God. And when we are following Christ and we're choosing sin, then we are distancing ourselves from God. But he will forgive us when we repent, when we confess, when we repent. However, the biggest limiter in our walk with God is not sin. It is our focus. So in verse one, we're gonna go verse by verse through this. It says this again, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Good news, Jesus is still on the throne. It's what Mel said last week, so nothing has changed. However, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Okay, anyone ever feel like you don't have new life? <laughs> like, um, I wanna share with you through what the, what the book of Colossians says, what this new life is that it's really talking about. Because if you are a follower of Christ and you have made him Lord, then your identity is now in Christ. That is not a cute way of saying, I follow Jesus. 
it's both true, but your identity is different. It is not the same anymore. And we're gonna explore that because whether we feel it or not, whether we feel like we have new life, whether we feel like our identity has changed, what Jesus has accomplished is finished and done and is true. And so the, the, the book of Colossians shows us that before we believed in Christ, our nature was evil. We disobeyed, we rebelled, we ignored God. Even at our very best, we did not love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And earlier in chapter two, it says that we were dead. You were dead in your sins and your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But God made you alive with Christ. He gave you new life. He made you alive and he forgave all of your sins. And when, when you came to Christ and when I came to Christ, or if you choose to do that today, what Jesus does is he performs a, a spiritual procedure in your heart, a spiritual, if I can say it this way, circumcision in your heart where he cuts away the sinful nature. And it says, and he raised you to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. He gave you a new nature that is like Christ. He gave you the mind of Christ. The love that you have is from Christ. And not only that, but God stripped the spiritual rulers and powers of their authority and showed them that they were powerless, powerless with the cross. Nothing and no one can demand payment for your sin any longer. The charges that were, that were against you were canceled and nailed to the cross. So when Jesus died, your charges against you died. That is good news. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And God has declared you and I not guilty. At one, at one point, we were, we were dead in our sins. We were slave to our sin. But now we have the freedom to live for Christ. And that is the new life that you have. Your identity is in Christ. And it is because we understand this truth that we can put to death the things in our life that are contrary to our identity with Jesus. It is because of this truth that sin is not our biggest limiter, right? It's been defeated, it's finished. We should recognize, we can recognize that we are transformed and our mindset, our actions begin to, begin to shift, begin to change when we say, Christ live within me. When we let Jesus live within us, he can shape us and we can say, oh, okay, with this, this sin that's tempting me, this sin that's, that's in my life, Jesus wouldn't walk in this and I identify with him. So I will not walk in it. We should consider ourselves dead and unresponsive to sin. Have you ever been a parent, maybe you and your moody teenager got into a heated argument and they look at you and they're like, you're dead to me. You know what they're saying? I'm not acting like you exist anymore. You're dead to me. You, I'm not talking to you, I'm done with you. I'm not engaging with you. You don't have authority over my life anymore. You're dead to me. If you're a teenager, this is a terrible idea. Just so you know, you probably get grounded, as you should. Um, but if you are in Christ, this is a good idea. Um, if we are in Christ, we can have the same perspective and attitude towards sin. It's dead. You're dead to me. You have no power over me. You don't own me. My sinful nature was cut away. My sinful desires are dead. Jesus is over my sin. Christ put it to death. But it's not by putting our focus on the sin. It's not by putting our focus on ourselves or our willpower or our strength. It is all by putting our focus on Christ. And so if the biggest limiter in our walk with God is not our sin, let's look at why it is our focus. Verse two, it's a brief verse. It says this, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And this verse sounds poetic and unattainable, but I wanna walk through it with you because this verse is written as a command for those who have this new life with Christ. It is not a suggestion or an aspiration, 
but it is a verse that I want you to leave remembering. So can we go back to Sunday school and memorize this verse? Yes, we can, because it's 12 words and I believe in you. So think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. This is the verse I want you to remember today. The ESV, the English Standard Version says it a little better. Um, instead of think, it says, set your mind. Set your mind on the things of heaven. Set your mind on the things of heaven, not the things of earth. See, you can't seek what your mind is not set on. Have you ever like made a flippant goal and commitment? Like, you know, I'm gonna start doing this. Like for me, my husband is so gracious and kind and wants me to rest, you know, cause he preached on rest a couple weeks ago and he wants to help me relax and he's like, you know, you do enjoy reading, but like for energy, like you just read all these books all the time and makes you want to be more productive and stuff. So why don't you, why don't you read a book that will like be entertaining and restful for you? Maybe you haven't found the genre you like yet. So I'm like, okay. In June, I decided I'm going to, I'm going to read 30 minutes a day of a fiction book. You want to know how many times I've done that? Zero. Yeah, definitely zero. Um, my mind was not set on this new habit, right? I voiced a thought I thought about it, I voiced a desire, my thinking didn't lead to action, but when your mind is set on something, you're saying, let my entire focus point to this. May this not just be a thought in my head, but may it be something that's kind of simmering in the back of my mind that I'll be thinking of the things of heaven, that, that it would impact my decision-making and my priorities and my actions are bound to follow. Set your mind. Because your reality is this new life with Christ, the command is to set our minds on the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Because we are in Christ, we say, I will let you, Jesus, I will let you influence my thinking. I will let you change what, what I set my mind on. You have authority, you have power, but, but what does it mean? What, what does it mean when it says the things of earth? Set, don't set your mind on the things of earth. If I can say it this way, to have an earthly mindset, what does that mean? It means that we say things or maybe our life says things like, I use my money how I want to. It's my money. If I wanna go gambling and spend $400 trying to win some more money, it's not that big of a deal. It's fine, it's my money. You know, if I wanna add 17 more things to my Amazon cart, and, and purchase things that I don't need and all the husbands just stopped breathing and refused to look at their wives, or maybe it was just mine. Um, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do that, it's my money. We say things like, I can use my free time however I desire. You know, Steph, I can't fit reading the Bible and prayer into my life. I know that's kind of like a staple of my relationship with God. I can't fit that into my life right now. I just don't have time. But I do have time for an hour of scrolling on social media when I wake up and when I go to bed each night. <laughs> it's my free time. You know, maybe one day I'll start serving, but right now I don't wanna be tied to a commitment like that. Like if something else pops up on the weekend that I wanna do, I wanna make sure that I can um, do that, participate in that. Our life speaks things like, I will prioritize what I think is most important in my life when it's about earthly things. You know, my kids, my kids are in three different sports and activities at the same time. And honestly, it's just a lot. And I can't really even imagine adding on being in godly community right now. I don't, I don't, I don't think we have time to add church into this mix. You know, I know I'm called to make disciples, but my life shows that I like making money more. I know that one hurt. If, was, if this is Mel, he'd be like, I'm getting in your business. That's what I'm doing. I'm getting in your business. You know, to be honest, when God got in my business, when God started speaking to me about intentionally discipling people, oh, this is so like arrogant and naive of me. But I felt like God asked me like, who are you intentionally discipling? Who are the people? Name them. And I was like, God, I work at a church. I disciple people all the time. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'm convicted. Um, our life says these things. I'll prioritize what I think is most important in my life. You know, maybe you've had the thought in terms of priorities. You know, I've, I've thought about starting a Bible study or hosting a Bible study, but to be honest, I don't want people in my house and I don't want to clean my house. 
We say things like, I will treat people and relationships how I feel like they should be treated. I know my boyfriend's not following God, but he is so good looking and stuff. He's so nice to me. It's my choice. It's my decision. You know, my spouse is disrespectful to me, so I'm going to give it right back to him. You know, that family member or friend who hurt me, and even though I hurt them too and had some things to say, what I said was justified, and I don't care if we ever reconcile. Our life proves I'll use my body however I want. It's fine for me to have sex with my boyfriend. We're planning on getting married. It's my body. It's my decision. I know I should be taking care of my physical health and my mental health, but whatever. It's my body. This show isn't that bad. There's, there's a couple scenes of nudity, but it doesn't impact me. See, an earthly mindset is not concerned about Jesus being over everything. It is in I know, I decide, I'm in control, it's mine kind of thinking. And so if that's an earthly mindset, then what is a heavenly mindset? Because I don't know about you, when I first read this verse, I'm like, I'm just like supposed to turn into this perfect angel that always does the right thing. A heavenly mindset does not uh, remove us from this world. It does not isolate us from this world. A heavenly mindset is meant to reshape everything that we do on this earth. We just read in the previous verse that Christ is seated at the right hand of God in where? In heaven. And we're searching for a heavenly mindset. In Christ, we have this new life. The book of Philippians tells us our citizenship is in heaven. And the book of Colossians talked about how Christ is supreme. So based off of this and context from previous chapters, we can understand that setting our mind on Christ means that we are, it is all about Christ. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Setting our mind on the things of heaven means that it is all about Christ that our focus is completely centered on him, on his ways, on his teaching, on his kingdom, that setting our mind on the things above means we're going to reorient our thinking and our living to be all about Christ, to revolve around Christ, that we reorient our thinking to this new identity that we have. We are in Christ and so we say, you can rule in our hearts and in our minds. To think about the things of heaven means to to look at life from God's perspective and to seek what he desires. It's a God knows, he decides, he's in control. It's his kind of thinking. When we are setting our minds on Christ, we are aware of his presence, right? When, when, when Christ is always kind of in the back of our mind, okay, I wanna set my, thing, set my thoughts on the things of heaven, set my mind on the things of heaven today. His, his, he's all, we recognize his presence is with us. And so we're asking him, Jesus, how do you see this? Jesus, what do you say about this? We ask God, okay, God, I don't wanna be greedy with my money. I don't wanna use it the way I think I should. How do you want me to use my money that you've given me? So maybe we say, okay, I'm, I'm stepping away from gambling because I believe there are opportunities to invest into the kingdom of heaven. And I know that investing there will multiply it further than any gambling win ever could. We say, okay, I recognize I'm prone to impulsively buying things I don't really need. So maybe it's extreme, maybe I don't care. I'm gonna wait three days and actually pray about if I need this thing before I buy it. And the money I don't spend, I'll give it away. We ask God, God, how do you want me to use my free time? See, instead of being selfish with my free time, God, I wanna, I wanna use my free time for, for you, the way that you desire. You're the one that gives me time on this earth. You're the one that gives me life. So how do you want me to use my free time? So we say, I'm, when I wake up, first thing I do will go, be to go to his word because I know that that is what I need the most, that he wants to speak to me and he wants to hear from me and social media scrolling will never feed my soul. I'm gonna use my free time to serve because I know it's beneficial for the body of Christ and it's beneficial to me. And if Jesus humbly served, then so will I because he's worth my time and he's worth my commitment. We ask him, Instead of prioritizing what the world thinks is best or what I think is best, God, what do you say I need to prioritize? And so maybe we say, okay, my kids are in three different sports at the same time, activities at the same time, and it's a lot. 
And, and it's impacting our family time and it's impacting our ability to be in godly community. So because Christ is our focus, we'll drop one of these things or we'll have conversations with the coach that, hey, we're gonna miss some practices and games sometimes for the sake of being at church, for the sake of being at youth. I want my kids to know God more than I want them to be a great high school or college athlete. I'm grateful for my job to make money, but my life calling is to make disciples. So I'm gonna pray and ask God for the one person, for one person in my life who's younger in their faith than me that I can read scripture with, that I can intentionally point towards Jesus. You know, I feel like, I feel like God is leading me to start a Bible study or host one. And because my house is a gift that God has given me for hospitality, I will trust him even if I'm nervous. We ask God, God, how do I treat people the way you treat them? Because oftentimes, instead of treating people like I deserve, I wanna choose to treat them how you see them and how your word says to, to respond to them. So we say, okay, I know my boyfriend's not following God. And I know your word says to be, to be yoked with another believer. And so I will trust God with my future and I will end this relationship. You know, my spouse was disrespectful to me, but I'm willing to talk to them about it, share how they've hurt my feelings, apologize for any part that I had and offer forgiveness. You know, that family member or friend who hurt me and I've hurt them too, the Bible says I'm a minister of reconciliation. And so I will humble myself, own my part and apologize. We say, God, how can I honor the body you've given me? Instead of using my body the way that I want to, I want to honor you with my body. So we say, okay, sex is a gift reserved for marriage. And God is the one who created it. He's the one who created order. He's the one that created me. He knows what is beneficial to me and what will hurt me. And so I will choose to flee from sexual immorality in order to honor God, in order to honor my body, and in order to honor my boyfriend or girlfriend. And I'll reserve that for the gift of marriage as it was intended. Okay, my physical and mental health are a gift from God. And so I'll do whatever it takes to steward it because God has trusted me with it and I want to be the healthiest I can be in every single area. I won't engage with entertainment that involves promiscuity or sexual content because I know this impacts my heart more than I know. And it doesn't honor my spouse or my future spouse. See, when we're looking to the things of earth, our focus is more lateral. It's more side to side. This distraction, this sin, these doubts, this in my life. But when we're focused on Christ, the direction shifts, right? Upward, a heavenly, um, a mind that is set on the things of heaven. It is only with our focus being completely centered on Christ that we can live a life where Jesus is over everything where we're not limited in our walk with God. Pastor JP Pekluda says this, if you are full on the things of God, then you are able to resist the temptations of the world. But if you are full on the things of the world, you resist the convictions and the calling and the promptings of God. See, this is the kind of life that every believer has access to. The standard who, all, who follow Christ are to set their mind on the things of heaven. But ultimately, you choose where your focus will lie. Verse three says this, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And we covered this in verse one, that you have new life. You, you died to the old life, right? When you're a dead person, you don't really have much desire for anything. <laughs> You don't have desire for the improper pleasures of this world because you're not feeling anything. And to be honest, our lives really aren't about us. We identify with Christ now. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life I live in my body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This verse says, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And this word hidden isn't meant to be confusing. Hidden does not mean that it's a secret, right? We're meant to be in the world. We're meant to be um, sharing our faith. Hidden means that your real life is contained within Christ. 
that it is all wrapped up in Jesus. Hidden means safe and secure. You don't have to, and actually you cannot do anything for your life to be hidden in Christ. It is all because of what he did. You can't earn salvation, but you can have great confidence in setting your mind on the things of heaven every day and living each day for Christ. Romans 8 says, nothing can separate you from God's love, not angels, not, nor demons, not the, the fears today or the worries tomorrow, not the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Your real life is hidden with Christ. This life, this kind of life lacks nothing when it is hidden with Christ. Jesus says, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And this last verse says this, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. See, Christ gives us the power to live for him now. And he also gives us a hope for the future that he will return, that he is coming back. And because we have died and risen and our lives are hidden with Christ, we have the opportunity to say, I'll, I'll, I'll take your command and I will, I will be obedient. I will set my mind on the things of heaven because I know that that is where the most fulfillment will come. The most purpose will come. The, the most intimacy with God will come. And our promise is that when Christ is revealed to the whole world, we will share in his glory. And I don't even think I have the right words or knowledge to describe this. But what I do know is that one day Christ will return and he will reveal all that he is to us and he will make himself so clear and it will be more beautiful and holy and majestic and amazing than we can even like begin to comprehend right now. And until that moment comes though, or if we pass before he returns, we can faithfully live each day with our minds set on the things of heaven so that when we get to our, the end of our lives, we'll have the opportunity to hear him say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, you let me live through you. You set your mind on the things of heaven. You partnered with me. You were generous. You, you sacrificed so that you can give. You, you looked to the needs of others. You made disciples. You served the poor. You honored me with your body. You loved people well. You led people to me. Our hearts are drawn to eternity. I think the book of Ecclesiastes says, God has set eternity in our hearts. And it's because he is there. He is there. Our treasure is there. Our home is there. Our hope is there. But during our time on earth, we have the privilege on earth to set our mind on the things of heaven and it will impact our lives, lives here. We can set our hearts and minds on the things above and begin to cultivate this taste for what life will be like in eternity, for what intimacy with God will be like forevermore. See, there's this theory in business and it's called the red car theory. And so if you, if you drive to work and your boss, you arrive and your boss asks you, how many red cars did you see on your way here? You're like, I don't know, <laughs> two, I wasn't counting. But if before you leave your house, your boss tells you for every red car you see, make sure to count it because I'm gonna give you $100 for every car. You'd be like, I can do that. I'll be on the lookout. I'll be looking for these opportunities. And the red car theory reminds us that opportunities are like red cars, that they're all around us, but we have to be willing to look for them. And maybe you feel like God isn't giving you opportunities, but let me encourage you and say, he is, and he's giving them all the time, but are you looking for them? Because when you have a mind that is set on the things of heaven, that is set on Christ, you will be intentionally looking and you will see them. And the reward is so much better than $100 or however many hundreds of dollars. And so my hope is that this gets stuck in your brain and every time you see a red car, you're like, Jesus is giving me opportunities. Every time you see a red car, you're like, oh, I need to set my mind on the things of heaven, that it serves as a reminder. And so my ask is for you to do just that, 
to set your mind on the things of heaven, to ask God to show you the opportunity that he's given you. You can, you can start in one area of your life and trust him with that and ask him to show you, be Lord over this, Jesus. Show me the opportunity you're giving me and let it, let it permeate to every other area of your life. God, would you, would you give me an opportunity to be generous? Would you give me an opportunity to make disciples? Lord, Lord, would you give me the opportunity to join a small group to deepen my godly community? Jesus, show me how I can honor my body that you've given me. Show me how I can serve you. Help me adjust my priorities to be your priorities. And you can do this throughout your day and it won't be daunting. I once heard of something called the one minute prayer where every time you move from one thing in your schedule to the next, you pray for at least one minute. You move from one thing in your schedule to the next and you take a minute to pray. You say, Jesus, I'm inviting you here. You're aware of his presence. Jesus, thank you for my time with you and your word this morning. Thank you that you always meet me there, that I have access to your scripture and your truth. Lord, thank you for the job that you've given me that I'm driving to right now. God, I pray for my coworker or my classmate who I just met with, they're really struggling. Would you make yourself known to them? Help me encourage them and remind them that you see them. Lord, thank you for the money to buy groceries for my family. Is there someone here in this store that needs you? Is there someone here that I can bless? God, thank you for my spouse who's been with kids all day. Help me to love them and serve them when I get home. See, when you get to the end of your day, when your head hits the pillow, you can ask yourself, how did I set my mind on the things of heaven today? How did I live centered on Christ? What opportunity did I see that he gave me? And how did I trust him in it? And if you look back and you say, I didn't see any, then you probably missed it. And that's okay, there's no shame or condemnation, but continue to seek him and have a mind that is focused and centered on Christ and look for the red cars. See, all of us, if we aren't careful, can drift to living a Christian life where we're sleepwalking. A life that is not focused on the things of God, a life that is, is missing all that God does actually have for us. And he's not shaming us, right? He's just inviting us into more. Let me show you more of me. Let me show you more of the joy that it is to love people, to serve people, to have my perspective. Many people get to the end of their life and their last words on their deathbed are things like, I wish I wouldn't have worked so much. I wish I would have made things right with that person. I wish I would have been more present. And it's always regrets about focusing too much on the things of earth because God knew that we would need to set our mind on the things of heaven. It's always regrets about focusing too much on the things of earth and not the things of heaven. And I don't know about you, but I wanna look back on my life and say, my life declared Jesus over everything. I did everything I could to set my mind on the things of heaven, to walk with Jesus, to see the opportunities that he gave me while I lived this life. And can you imagine if, if you did that individually, but if each of us did, the lives that would be impacted, the purpose you'd have each day waking up, the intimacy you'd have with God, the legacy that you'd leave, joining him in his mission. Christ is in you and he wants to move through you, church. So my encouragement, my ask is to set your mind on the things of heaven and see what he will do and see what will happen because he's faithful and he wants to move and he wants to use you. Let me pray. God, I thank you that even though we did absolutely nothing to deserve it, you were the one who laid down your life so we could have new life. God, that we identify with you, the life that we have is yours. And so Jesus, I pray that we would live lives that declare that you are over everything that we would be so centered and focused on you that it would be so natural to think of the things of heaven. May we become so consumed with your mission that we engage your heart, your priorities and your desires. 
And God, I thank you that we can ask you to show yourself to us, to reveal yourself to us, and you will. You're not a God that hides. And so Lord, we ask in these moments that you would speak to us, that even now, the ways we, we you're leading us to set our minds on the things of heaven and whatever area that is, multiple areas, I'm sure, that we would be obedient, that we would trust you in it, that we would see the opportunities you're giving us because we know it's all for your glory. Just like verse four said, that we can share in your glory. And we're so undeserving of that, but we're grateful. So God, help us live a life that's not limited, that's not missing anything, but it is full of a heart and a mind that is set on the things of heaven, that is set on you. And we will trust you in it. And we will enjoy the journey of walking and living with you. Maybe you're here today and maybe you say, Steph, I, I can't say that I live a Jesus over everything life because I've never taken the very first step of making him Lord. I've never asked him to be Lord of my life. I haven't received this new life that you've given me, the sin nature that you're talking about that's been cut away, that's dead. I haven't recognized that in truth of my life. I haven't made him Lord and I'm not following him, but I want to. I want to live a Jesus over everything life. If that's you today, I don't wanna embarrass you or make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you wherever you are. And so I wanna ask you, if you would just lift your hand, if that's you, and I'll pray with you right where you are. If you'd say, yeah, I wanna live a Jesus over everything life. I wanna make him Lord today. And I know I'll live a life that's not limited. So if that's you, would you raise your hand in this moment right now? Yeah, I see you on the right, thank you. I see you in the, in the middle, on the left. Yep, see you on the right as well, thank you. Anyone else wanna join these and say, it's my time to make him Lord. He knows. We're gonna pray with those who have acknowledged that today and who have said, this is my time to make Jesus Lord of my life and it will impact everything in the best way possible. And so whether you raised your hand or not, we're gonna pray and declare this with those who have made that choice today, who have chosen that today. So do me a favor, repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for laying down your life so I could live. Today I choose to make you Lord. You are on the throne. You are supreme. I want your way of thinking. God, make me like you. I'll choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Yeah. If you made that decision today, you have a church family that is so very proud of you and excited for you with the journey that you have started with Christ because this is the true way to live, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I wanna encourage you, um, let us help you on your journey. We, we have Bibles that we wanna give you. If, if you don't have a Bible and you want a Bible, you can um, get one of those today. All you have to do, really anyone who needs a Bible, whether you decided to follow Jesus today or not, we would give you a Bible. So let us give you the word of God. But if you decided to receive Christ today, you can fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you that says salvation or rededication and take that to our next steps table, which is out in the center of our lobby. A pastor will be there to meet with you. And that's where they'll give you that Bible. Um, but yeah, we just wanna walk with you. We want to, want to help you on this journey so you can continue to live a Jesus over everything life. All, all you really need is Christ in you, but we also need the the uh, accountability and the support and the love and the challenges sometimes from the body of Christ to continue on that journey. That's why godly community is so important. And so if I could just do one more quick response, if you'll bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, Steph, 
what you've, what you've said today about feeling like my life is limited, like I'm missing something in my relationship with God, I recognize today I have been setting my mind on the things of earth. And today, today I want that to change. I want to, I want to live a life that is set on the things of heaven. And so today I'm recognizing that I've been sleepwalking or I've been going through the motions, but man, I want Christ to be my whole focus as I follow him. So if that's you today, and I'm just gonna pray for you. If you say, yeah, that's me. I, I'm setting my mind on the things of earth, but I want to set my mind on the things of heaven. I wanna pray for you. So you can raise your hand if that's you. Yeah, I see you guys. Yeah, lots of you. Thank you. God, we thank you that we can come before you, that your conviction, that your, that your re revealing yourself is never to hurt us or to harm us, God, but, but to make us more like you, to show us your mercy and grace. God, I thank you that is your kindness that leads us to repentance. And so we thank you today that we can set our minds on the things of heaven that we can experience you in this way, that we can see lives changed in this way. So God, I begin to pray for the opportunities. God, I begin to pray for the minds that you would begin to change their thinking, that you would begin to change what our minds are set on, that it would be so focused on you that it would impact every area of our lives. God, for the opportunities you're gonna speak to us, for the, the loving challenges that you will give us, we will trust you in them and we believe that we'll have greater intimacy with you, that we'll have healthier relationships around us, that we'll have opportunities to serve and love people like we would have never dreamed or hoped. And God, we thank you that a life with you is not boring and you wanna use this every single day. Thank you, God, for Christ in us, the gift that we could never, ever deserve. So God, move in us, have your way. We trust you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, some of the family, I wanna thank you for letting me share the word with you today. Um, I do wanna let you know that our prayer team is gonna come forward, some of our staff, and we're here to pray with you. We believe in the power of prayer. If there's anything that I mentioned today or probably that I didn't mention because the Holy Spirit's way smarter than me and he probably spoke to you way more, then I would encourage you to come forward for prayer and believe and agree with someone regarding whatever area of your life. Um, God wants to, to, to hear you. And, and to meet you in that. And so again, thank you so much for letting me share with you today. Uh, let's stand and worship one more time and then we'll go. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.